Man, it's good to be in God's house today. It's always exciting to be able to join together for a time of worship, to be able to observe communion together where we remember the body and the blood of Christ, the sacrifice that was made for us, and uh, to get to observe and celebrate uh, the believer's baptism, all these ordinances that we're told to continue to do until Christ returns. We get to see two of them in one day, and it's a, indeed a special day uh, to be able to celebrate all those and, and uh, to observe those um, elements and those um, special um, I just said the word of God, I just went blank. Help me out. Sacraments, that's not it. Oh, that's no big deal. Y'all don't, don't care. All right, so it's good to be here. Uh, but something else that's very important for us, and I look forward to um, on a weekly basis, is opening up God's Word and sharing from God's Word. And hopefully you came ready to receive from God's Word today and that you have open ears and open eyes and you're ready um, to hear and to share in God's Word today. So we're going to jump right into it and we're going to read the passage of Scripture first. I'll pray um, and then we'll just take off from there. So uh, John chapter 12, um, and this is the uh, Jesus' triumphant entry. Um, today's Palm Sunday, so that's why we're in this passage And we'll start in verse 12. Let's read the following verses. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of kings. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy, but after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him, about Jesus. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Some Greeks who had come together or come to Jerusalem from Passover or for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. And they said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they were all together. They went to Jesus to ask, and Jesus replies, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels. A plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? Jesus says, but this is the very reason that I came. Let's pray one more time. Father, we ask that in this moment, we know your word has the ability to speak to us on different levels, and you know what each one of us need to hear today. And so my, my humble plea and prayer is that you would open up our hearts to receive the truth of your word, that you would open our ears, let us listen to what you might want to share with us today, and I humbly ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Title of the message this morning is, What is Your Because? What is your because? So today is... The Palm Sunday where we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem um, very triumphantly. And um, it begins what is called Holy Week. And Holy Week is packed full of events 
that are going to take place in Scripture and the life of Christ. And it's like this huge climax to the gospel story that we've been reading through. If you start at the beginning of the gospels, it all leads up to this. And so the next eight days, beginning today and ending next Sunday on Easter, which, by the way, I look forward to seeing everybody here and maybe even bring a few friends as we celebrate uh, the risen Lord. But this eight days is packed full of events that Jesus um, would experience. And so one of those was the upper room where we observed communion a while ago. That was where it was instituted um, for them. He gave it new meaning in that upper room. Jesus teaches a discourse um, to just the disciples about uh, the end days, what to look forward to in, in the last days. And then um, he does one more public discourse where he's rebuking the Pharisees. And he said, hey, don't, don't do what they do, but listen to what they say. Because they're like um, whitewashed tombs. They look good on the outside, but they're full of dead man's bones. He, he preached that in this eight days. He, he cleanses the temple. He, he curses the fig tree. And all these things are going on leading up to the arrest, the betrayal, the arrest, the denial and this illegal trial that took place through the Thursday night into the early hours on Friday morning where eventually he was crucified and was buried in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, next Sunday, we celebrate that he lives. Big, big stuff. Huge, right? Big week in the life of Christ. And so it's like his uh, climax of the gospel. It's also a conclusion to his public ministry. Jesus, you know, was about 33-ish years old when he died on the cross, but his ministry was about three and a half years long. It started when he was baptized by John in the River Jordan, and he began his public ministry after he had this time in the wilderness of testing. He began preaching the gospel and healing people, and I just, every time I think of his ministry as a whole, three and a half years, he had a huge impact on people. It's kind of like a snowball effect. If you start, Jesus starts with a fisherman and he says, Hey, put down your nets, come follow me, and I'm going to show you how to fish for men. And they put down their nets and they followed Jesus and became his disciples. And, and from there, it just kept growing and growing. And as he would teach, people would say, Man, I've never heard anyone teach like Jesus. He teaches with authority and not like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And so they got excited. Anytime Jesus would talk and they would just tell everybody, Hey, we got to go hear this, this Jesus. Man, he's an authoritative speaker. And so, he, he drew these large crowds everywhere he went. Oh, and then he performs the miracles. And when he performed the miracles, I just, more people, and more people said, I got to see this. What? He turned water into wine. What's up? That's cool. I'm going to go check that out. And, and then if you were there that day, like some of the people were like, hey, I was there. There were 5,000 men, not counting women and children, and this little boy had a Happy Meal, and Jesus took the Happy Meal, and he spread it, and every one of us ate and had our fill I mean, those miracles are pretty cool. And so Jesus starts just gaining this huge following of people, large, large crowds, right? That would culminate to this moment. And so he's riding into Jerusalem, and it says the crowds were there. And I believe they were very, very large crowds. I ask you the question, what is your because? What is your because? And let me explain that. The real question is, why do you follow Christ? Your answer to that question is your because. And I just want you to know that that is so important because you think about the text and we just read it. Every time I read this text, I'm amazed at this one place. This is many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb. So they saw a miracle, right? And it says, raising him from the dead and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about a miraculous sign. So their because was, I am following Jesus because of the miracles, right? And so I feel compelled today as a pastor to just ask you the question personally, each and every one of you, what is your because? 
Why do you follow Jesus? And I believe it's a very important question to ponder and to ask ourselves because it's an eternal, it has eternal significance and eternal consequences. What we do with Jesus, why do we follow Jesus? Because there were many in the crowds that followed Jesus, but not all of them followed him for the same reasons, for the right reasons, which we'll, we'll look at in just a moment. And so as you consider this, I just want you to ponder because as a, as a pastor preaching for almost 20 years now, my earnest desire is that everybody understands the gospel clearly. And I don't want anyone to miss what God's plan is through the gospel. And so um, I, I want to make sure that I know, I want to make sure that you know the reason for your following Jesus. Hey, I know why I follow Jesus. Amen? And so as we look at the text again, I want to notice uh, there's four observations I want to make um, of the crowds um, as we look back at this text. And so the first thing I want you to know is the crowd was huge. It was big. Um, it says multitudes in some of the passages. It says, the next day the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. And it says a large crowd. Now some scholars believe that it would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of a million plus people that were there. So can you just imagine how crowded it was in Jerusalem the day that Jesus was riding in on the donkey? I can imagine it being shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow, no six feet of separation there, right? I mean, they were just packed in there. And Jesus is riding in to Jerusalem. The, the crowd was large. It says they took palm branches and they went down to the road to meet him. Throughout scripture, many times there are verses that talk about people looking for Jesus, following Jesus. I mean, where did you go, Jesus? We were looking for you. And, and they would hear a miracle and they would follow him for that reason. And John chapter 6, it says after he did the miracle of the feeding 5,000, that they thought, hey, we're going to make him king by force. And Jesus hid himself from them, and it says that's the reason they were there was because of the miracles. And I would like to suggest to you um, in Scripture and in the ministry of Jesus, and I think that it's the same today, that you could put the large crowds that follow Jesus in about four categories. And the first category, I would say, are those that were there for the miracles, right? I mean, who wouldn't be amazed by the miracles? Jesus turns the water into the wine. If you were there, you're like, dude, I was a part of that great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Or maybe you're the dude that was blind, born blind from birth, and you're like, Jesus opened my eyes, man. I'm here because he's a miracle-working Savior, right? And some of them were, were there for the miracles because of what they could get from Jesus. And they were just following after him because what he Maybe they were hungry again. Hey, man, we hung out with him one time. He fed us. Maybe he'll do it again. Oh, hey, raising Lazarus from the dead was pretty cool. I want to hang out and see what he does next. So there's those that were there because of the miracles. That's what the passage says. That's why they were there, because of the raising of Lazarus. And I would say that sometimes today there are crowds of people that are intrigued by Jesus and maybe they adhere to Jesus like, hey, I want to follow Jesus because of miracles or because I need a miracle. Now, hopefully none of us start, stop there. And let me just say this, that God is God and he never changes and he's still capable of working miracles. Amen? I mean, he's a miracle-working God. But if our goal is to follow him just because of that, how many know we're missing the mark? Desperately missing the mark. And so there are those today that will say, hey, I want, to, I want to follow Jesus because I need a miracle in my life. And it may not be a healing, like a physical miracle healing, which God can do. But it may be something like, hey, man, my marriage is on the rocks. My wife just told me she's leaving me, and I need to get my life straight. And so I'll start coming to church, and I try to figure things out, and I adhere to the gospel. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I have lived that. I've been in that position where I minister to someone who was just desperately needing a miracle in his marriage. And he says, hey, I want to follow Jesus, and hopefully my wife, I can woo her back there and, and, and fix things there. And, you know, sadly, um, everything got patched back up, and they just went back to the old ways and you know, there's some people that do that, and they're just convenient to have Jesus around. 
You know, almost like a genie, right? I'm going to ask Jesus for something. He's going to give it to me. Some followed him for the miracles, and some still do. My concern with that is, <clears throat> you know, what if, what if he gave us everything that we wanted? Maybe it's wealth. I mean, I'm, I just want God to bless my socks off financially. That'd be great. Well, I just want God to make me absolutely healthy. And can I just let you all in a little secret? We're all going to pass away at some point. I mean, we're not getting out of here alive unless Jesus returns. So it's a reality that we live in. But, hey, I just want to have the absolute best health. I want to have a great marriage. I want to have all the wealth and all these things. And if that's my goal and it doesn't come to pass, then how many know that that's kind of a letdown for us? And so some follow for that reason. And Jesus himself said, what good is it if a man gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? So in the crowd, there were those who followed for the miracles. And in that crowd, there's also those that were just simply curious. I mean, of all the people that were gathered to, to be where Jesus was at on that day, there were those that were just simply there because they were curious. What's he going to do next? I mean, he's intriguing his speech, his, uh, his speaking. When he talks, he talks with authority, not like the, 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 the teachers of the law. And so I just want to go see what Jesus has to say next. And, and I would say this, Jesus did come and he did work miracles and he did speak with absolute authority because he's God in the flesh and that's just what he does, right? But he doesn't stop there and that's not the purpose for which we trust in him. That's not our because. It's because of the miracles or because of his authority and his teaching. So some were curious. In fact, I think that they had some expectations. I'll get to that in a moment. And I think that that led them to, you know, some say that they believe it was the same people in the crowd right here on this Sunday that was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, praise God, blesses the one who comes in the name of the Lord that would later, in a, just a few short days later, say, crucify him. And you're like, what happened? There were many in the crowd, many followed for many different reasons. Some were just simply curious. And there were others in the crowd that were there for an entirely different purpose. They were seeking to kill Jesus. In fact, if you look back at chapter 11, it says after he raises Lazarus from the dead, that hacks off the religious leaders because more people are flocking to Jesus and they're losing control of their, their religion. And so it says they started planning out how they're going to kill Jesus. And at that moment, Jesus stopped his public ministry and he goes with his disciples to the village of Ephraim. And there he waits till Passover where he knows he's going to go for the last time. So during that time, it says many people from all over the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early. I mean, they kept looking for Jesus while they were there. Like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And they're asking each other, hey, do you think Jesus will come to the Passover? But there was another group in that crowd, the Pharisees, that were also looking for Jesus. And it says, the leading priest uh, decided to kill Lazarus too, for it's because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. And so, um, back up here, it says, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately so they could arrest him and, i.e., Kill him. And there's some that follow Jesus simply because they were trying to catch him. They were trying to get that aha moment. All through scripture, the, the Pharisees were doing this to Jesus. The Sadducees were questioning his authority and challenging him. And there are those that just simply follow him because um, maybe they're a foe of, of Christ. I know that's not true of anybody in church, right? We're here because obviously we believe <clears throat> in the gospel. And, but we know that we live in a culture and a world that there's plenty of people that hate the gospel and what it stands for. Amen. And so the last group that I could say that we could identify with and hopefully we all identify with here today would be the ones that I consider the true followers, the ones that loved Jesus, the ones that heard his teaching. They saw the miracles, and the miracles validated his testimony, his teachings authoritatively 
proved to them that he was exactly who he was and he was going to do what he said he would do. And they said, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and I trust him. Those, my friends, are the followers of Christ. So hear me ask this question, what is your because? Why do you follow Jesus? The answer to that question is your because. And so the crowds followed for many different reasons, and I would say for some of them for the wrong reasons. <clears throat> Notice, secondly, the, the cheer, um, the, the praises that they were putting on Christ. It says that they were standing out and they were saying, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And I just imagine it was deafening. Right With all those people gathered around, waving the palm branches, taking their coats off, and it was just a huge celebration. And I think the reason it was so loud and so joyous on that occasion was because they had an expectation of Jesus. Have you ever had an expectation of Jesus? They certainly did. What was it? He's the Messiah, right? The Messiah is going to come in. He's the true king of Israel. And they said, hail to the king of Israel. Right now, Israel is under Roman occupation. And so their hope is Jesus is going to ride in on a donkey, and he's going to kick the Romans out. He's going to finally establish his throne. And it's like, yeah, finally, the Messiah is here. And so they were excited, and they had all of these hopes that Jesus would fulfill this prophecy by using uh, the phrase, the one who comes was a messianic reference there. Uh, the people were affirming their hope that he was the Messiah that they were expecting. And so they had these huge cheers because it was based on an expectation. And the expectation is that he would come in and immediately meet their, their immediate needs. To a, a temporary fix, to a temporary problem, but Jesus had bigger plans. And I mean, we're blessed because we have the full counsel of God's word. I mean, if you're there then, it's like pieces of a puzzle. You're just piecing things together for us. we got the complete picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we can look at it and say, oh, no, no, no. God's plan was so much bigger than just that. And so but for them, they had these expectations. And what happens whenever those expectations go unmet? Sometimes it discourages us. Sometimes we say, I don't want to follow anymore. So maybe it's a miracle. Like, I really, really need this miracle. And, and, and that miracle does never come for you. It never happens for you. Can I just tell you, that doesn't mean God doesn't love us. When it doesn't happen, it just may not be in his will there to give us that specific miracle, right? And if my focus is on just what he can do for me and the miracles, then I'm missing the purpose for which he came in the first place. And some say, man, I love his teaching. It's so encouraging that he loves, he's a God of mercy, and he's got a plan and, and all these things. But then when we get into the scriptures, sometimes that are harder to swallow, you know what I'm talking about, the ones that step on your toes. Then we start going, hey, these teachers are getting a little hard for me, and I don't think I like what I hear anymore. And so, you know, we have these expectations, but sometimes... Jesus doesn't meet our expectations. The crowds were no different. They cheered because they had these expectations, and yet the prophecies fulfilled him riding in on a donkey was written about in Zechariah 9, chapter 9. Hey, he's coming on a donkey. You're king. He is Messiah. They just had their own expectations um, and their hopes for him. And I, and I just, for me, I want to counsel us against doing the same. Let's make sure that we don't have expectations of Jesus that he never intended. Because here's the thing. His miracles, they happened and I believe they happened with all my heart, um, but they weren't an end in themselves, right? I mean, he didn't do it just to do the miracles. The miracles had a point and a purpose, and his teaching had a point and a purpose. Let's not get hung up on just those things for the reason why we follow Jesus. So then you see him correcting, you know, because you know, all these people, shoulder to shoulder, the reasons that they're there, the reason they're following Christ, and Jesus begins to say, okay, let me, let me give you my purpose. Here's why I came. 
And so he says, he replies, now the time the Son of Man uh, has come for him to enter into his glory. To enter into his glory was going to be after his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He goes, it's time for me to die. It's time for me to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. He says, I'll tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. What he's saying is death leads to life or death is necessary for a harvest. And Jesus said, I've got to die because when I die, like the seed in the ground, it's going to produce a huge crop and is necessary for me to go to the cross. Jesus never doubted or never um, was unaware of what his mission on this earth was. And I'm so grateful for that, aren't you? Jesus steadfastly, from the time he began his ministry to the time he ended, he went straight to the cross for a, a, a big purpose. And so you see him correcting this, you know, coming to him for the wrong reasons. Hey, listen, if you're going to come to me, come to me because of what the miracles were pointing to. Come to me because of what the authoritative verses or scriptures that I was teaching pointed to. And what did they point to? They validated that he was who he said he was. Watch this. In the Gospel of John, there's seven miracles that John records, and there's seven I am statements. We just did a series on the I am statements. But Jesus makes this huge statement, I am the bread of life. And he follows it with a miracle. He feeds the 5,000 with the little happy meal. And that miracle's purpose was to say, see, I'm the bread of life. I'm deity, right? And the point of the miracle was not for them to get hung up there, but to say, and point them onto and lead them onto belief in Jesus as Messiah. Jesus' authoritative teaching was intended to tell them, this is who I am and this is the purpose for which I came and no man can come to me unless the Father draws them. There's only one way to heaven and I am the way, not one of the ways, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. All of these teachings, these authoritative teachings, were to point them to believing in him as Messiah. Amen? And so... You see a little correction here where he's like, I want to make sure that you understand, for this is the very reason that I came. And later in verse 32, he says, And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. And in this point, he was indicating what kind of death um, that he would die from. He would be crucified on a cross. So we see the crowds were large. We see the cheers of the crowd, maybe the expectation. And we see his correction of that um, belief, if you will, the reason for their following him. And then lastly, and I think this is important, is we see the call that he issues to the crowd. And he's still issuing that call to us today. What is it? In verse 35, he says, My light will shine for just a little longer. Walk in the light while you still can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you'll become children of the light. He's like, hey, believe me. Put your trust in the light, and you won't have to walk in darkness. That's good news, isn't it? Is to know that we don't have to walk in sin. We don't have to walk in darkness. There has been a way made available to you and me to be made right with God, and it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus issues this invitation. He says, hey, call on me. Come, believe in me as Messiah. Let the miracles prove it for you. If you don't believe anything else, believe because of the miracles. In fact, he said that one time. Hey, just believe because of the miracles. But whatever you do, believe in me. I am the Messiah. And so he issues the call. And so, again, the question, what is your because? What's the answer to the why? Why do you follow Jesus? Like, what's it a big deal? Why, why? It's, it's of eternal significance because if you and I are saying, hey, I think Jesus is a good teacher and I'm not placing my faith in him, then how many know that is a dangerous, dangerous miscalculation of the purpose for which Jesus came? Well, you know, I'm just here for what Jesus might be able to do for me. And that's, there you're missing it. 
But when you understand his purpose and you say, you know what, let me tell you why I follow Jesus. And you can lay that out there. It's like, I do it because I believe who he is. He said he was. He did what he said he would do, and I trust him. I believe in Jesus. That hope that we sing about will go, he's everything to me. Shane, why do you believe? Uh, it's, it's a eternal significance. One day, the Bible says there will be a great white throne judgment, and everybody will be there. And those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast for eternity into hell. And I know that's not a popular topic in our culture today. We don't want to talk about it, but it's a reality. And so one day, it's just a reality. We're going to stand before him, and many people will come and say, Hey, Jesus, I thought you were a cool teacher. Hey, hey Jesus, I, I did some really cool stuff in your name. And the Bible says that he'll say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So when I say, what is your because, uh, what, I'm, what I'm saying is like, this is the most important thing that we can nail down in our life is what do we do with the gospel? What do we do with Jesus? Amen? Here's another reason I think it's important because Peter tells us, 1 Peter 3.15, that we always should be ready. Always should be ready to give a defense for the hope that's in us. Right? He says, sanctify Christ in your hearts. Always be ready to give a, an answer to someone who asks you about the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. He says, always be ready. And so here's what it looks like. They may not come to you and say, what's your because? But they may say, hey, why do you call yourself a Christian? Why do you follow Christ? Especially when they see you go through a very difficult situation in life. And you get a smile on your face and you still carry that hope and that countenance. And they're looking at you like, I don't understand it. You're having the absolute worst life right now. And yet you still have this peace. And they ask you, why do you follow Jesus? When the rest of the world will say, I'm out. He didn't do what I expected. And so I'm, I'm out. And you're still hanging in there. Why do you follow Jesus? It's a perfect opportunity for us to say, to give a reason for, or a defense, a reason for the why we follow Jesus. Amen? So important for us to know that today. And I hope that you do know that today. What is your because? Because as I said, if you just short, stop short of the miracles or the, the authoritative teaching or just curiosity, it's not far enough. The whole purpose of all of those was to point to and to lead people to believe that Jesus is, was the Messiah. He did exactly what he said he would do. And he is still saving people who trust and believe in him. Amen? And he's no respecter of persons. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love, love, love the gospel. And I love the fact that no matter what goes on in this life, I have this hope, this living hope, this eternal hope that goes with me. And you say, Shane, why do you believe? Well, let me tell you, he's my everything. And if, here's, if he never did anything else for me in my entire life, no more money, no more health, no miracles, if he did nothing else, what he already did, which we observed a moment ago in communion, his death, his sacrifice, what he did for me is more than enough. That's why I believe. That's my because. He gave his life so that I could have life. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is worthy. And so I say it all the time, and I'll never get tired of saying it, the most important decision that each one of us can make is what do you do with Jesus? And my hope is that in this room, every person is like, man, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know who Jesus is. I trust him as Savior. Only him, not Jesus plus my works or Jesus plus something else. But Jesus and only Jesus, what he did was enough to secure my freedom, was enough to secure my salvation, my redemption, to put me in a right relationship with God. I believe Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. The most important decision we'll make. But my fear and my concern is sometimes people come to Jesus with wrong motives, or maybe they miss it. And you know, they, they can be in church and hear the message preached, and 
And their eyes are not open, their ears are not open. That's why I pray, God, open our hearts, open our ears that we can hear. We want to we hear what you might say to us. And they may hear it, they may be curious of the teachings and then just slip off out and into eternity without ever truly placing their faith and their trust in Jesus, which was the, the reason that he came, to seek and to save the lost. And I hope that everyone in this room counts themselves among the followers, the believers of Jesus Christ. Not a fan. There's a lot of fans of Jesus. There were some foes of Jesus, and there still are today, but may we all be counted as a follower of Christ. Amen? And so that, that invitation is still open. Jesus extends it. I extend it as a pastor. And here's what I would say. If you're here today, you're like, Shane, I, I just, I feel like I'm wrestling with this, and I need, some, I need to ask some questions. I need some prayer, some guidance, and, and I, just, I just need to know that I'm in a right standing with God. And, and you want to respond to that? I'm not going to do an invitation here. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out. I would simply say this. When we dismiss in a moment, if you would like to come talk to me, I would love to be able to visit with you. And I would rather visit with you today because I know how life goes. You know, we get in the church, the, the car to go home, and we're thinking, man, I really need to talk to the pastor. And then Monday comes, and crazy happens, and Tuesday, and then before that, you just kind of put it off. And so the scriptures say today is the day of salvation. And so if you're here today, and you're like, man, I need to nail that down in my life, and i really like to know, and I need to speak with someone. Myself or David will be here, and, and Lance will be here after the service dismisses, and I would extend that invitation to you. And I will also say this, that if you're like, hey, man, I just can't do that now, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. Like saying, I'd really like a visit with a pastor. I really got some questions. I'd like to walk through this. Please, fill out one of those cards, drop it in one of those tithe boxes on the way out, and let us connect with you. Because, again, the most important thing that we can do is, what do we do with the gospel? Is to trust in him for the reason that he came. Amen? Like, our because. Why do you follow Jesus? Because he is everything to me. Amen? Father, thank you for the gospel. I thank you that I can stand here today and with an absolute confidence say that my hope is not in my good deeds, my good works, or my church attendance, or the family I was raised in, or the city that I live, but my hope and my hope alone is in you. That you paid the price, you're the only one that paid the price to put me in a right relationship with your Father, to give me this eternal life. And so, God, I just say thank you for the life that you offer to us. And, Father, I know that in this culture today there are people who are following you, and, and some, man, they're, they're oblivious maybe even to the purpose for which you came. And, and they may even call themselves a Christian, but they're just they're on the outside looking in. I pray that today you would just give us a fresh insight and revelation as we introspectively consider that in our own lives. What is my because? Why do I follow Jesus? And, and I pray that, Lord, whatever it is that we, we, we might have misunderstood in the, in, the, in the past, that those would lead us into taking a step of faith and trusting you and you alone for salvation. And I just say thank you, God, because it's not by our works. It's by your grace. And... Uh, Lord, we just say thank you. And so, Father, would you be honored in our lives? Would you just help us as we prepare for Easter celebration next week, as we go through this holy week, that we would be reflective in that and just consider all the many people that would follow and flock to you as you taught and just ask the question, why do I do it? What's my because? God, I pray that every one of us can answer that definitively. I, I, I do it because Jesus is Lord. He is Messiah. He's my Messiah. He's my Lord. He's my hope, and I trust him. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.